The December 1954 issue cover sported an illustration of Santa Claus wearing high heels, floating in the air, surrounded by jingle bells and snowflakes. Namihi aroha to those groups and individuals who have supported survivors of conversion practices. Outsports.com, we call the home for gay sports fans and athletes. It started two years ago when the internet was just starting to get going. This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappell. Eurocourt okays blocking funds to rights violating Hungary and Poland, conversion therapy cured in Israel and New Zealand, and celebrating outsports and queer Olympians. Those stories and more this week because you found This Way Out. I'm Michael Taylor Gray. And I'm M.R. Raquel. With NewsRound, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending February 19th, 2022. The European Union is entitled to block financial aid to member states for violating its basic rule of law principles. That's the ruling of the European Court of Justice in response to challenges by Hungary and Poland. This week's decision by the EU's highest court supports the 27-nation bloc's right to suspend support payments to both countries. Critics point to recent moves by the increasingly autocratic administrations of Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban and Poland's President Andrzej Duda to censor media outlets, corrupt the judiciary, and deny basic human rights to LGBTQ people. It's the latest escalation in Hungary and Poland's clash with EU legal supremacy. Orban, in particular, has taken out a defiant Mussolini-like position that the EU has no business meddling in Hungary's national affairs. His national affairs include playing the homophobia-transphobia card in an unexpectedly tight re-election campaign. Poland's spokespeople have been less obstinate, but also claim a violation of national sovereignty. That decision by the European Court of Justice follows calls in the European Parliament for funds to be withheld from repressive governments. The significance of the moment was marked on February 16th by the court's first live broadcast of a ruling. The justices wrote, The European Union must be able to defend its democratic values within the limits of its powers. Decisions by the Luxembourg-based court cannot be appealed. Amnesty International's media release said, Hungary and Poland have been rapidly backsliding on media freedom, independence of judges, and the right to protest. Instead of trying to oppose EU funds by being conditional on respect for the rule of law, they should respect people's rights and clean up their act. Poland and Hungary are both heavily dependent on EU funding. The Associated Press reports that unrelated vetting issues have already held up 41 billion euros from the EU's Pandemic Recovery Fund designated for Poland and 8 billion designated for Hungary. The ruling could impact those funds, too. Hungary and Poland have each threatened to retaliate, according to Reuters. They could stall EU decisions requiring unanimity on issues such as climate, energy, and foreign policy. 
At this critical time, they could disrupt a unified European Union response to Russia's threatened invasion of Ukraine. Speaking of Russia, President Vladimir Putin tried to invade a queer organization and lost this week. A St. Petersburg court quashed a justice ministry attempt to shut down the Sphere Foundation, which funds the Russian LGBT network. The ministry wanted to, quote, liquidate the foundation because of the network's illegal spreading of LGBT views and violation of traditional values. The Sphere Foundation was designated as a foreign agent in 2016. Authorities claimed that they were backed by outside anti-Russian entities. The Russian LGBT network is also on the foreign agent list. It may be best known for creating a rainbow railroad with allies in Canada for queer Chechen refugees escaping genocide in that mostly Muslim region of Russia. Sphere Foundation spokesperson Delia Gafarova said, LGBT plus people are the citizens of this country, just like every other social group, and deserve the same rights and freedoms. We feel the case of Sphere's liquidation can become the biggest case about LGBT plus in Russia, about our very right to exist. A Facebook post from Sphere Foundation founder and queer activist Igor Korchitkov was translated in part, This is political persecution at its finest. And the Ministry of Justice this time is not even trying to hide it. Kuwait's Constitutional Court has overturned a penal code statute making it a crime to imitate the opposite sex, a statute often used to target trans women for harassment and arrest. The court said on February 16th that the law was unconstitutional because its general phrasing risked violating personal freedoms. Amnesty International sees it as a major breakthrough for transgender rights in the Gulf Arab region. The Global Human Rights Group is calling for the immediate release of people now in prison for violating the statute. That includes transwoman Maha Al-Mutiri, who was sentenced in October to two years for imitating the opposite sex online. Lawyer and activist Sheikha Salman worked on Al-Mutiri's case. Salman likes the direction of the High Court's decision as she said, it was unconstitutional and no one can doubt that. However, she anticipates further resistance by conservatives and warns, their fight back is going to be vicious for sure. Thai lawmakers approved marriage equality legislation this week, but it'll likely be a long engagement. The February 16th vote of 219 in favor, 118 opposed, 12 abstaining, and one not voting, sent the measure to the cabinet for study. The cabinet has two months to act, after which the legislation returns to parliament. So activists are not popping the champagne corks just yet. They're concerned that it's just the beginning of an endless rinse-repeat cycle. Parliamentary passage, cabinet stall, back to parliament. Two days earlier, Activists in Bangkok used Valentine's Day to publicly demonstrate for full marriage equality. A prominent gay couple applied for a marriage license and, as anticipated, was rejected. In related news, Taiwanese marriage equality campaigners braved a typical February downpour in Taipei for their own Valentine's Day demonstration. They were protesting recently enacted legislation that only allows binational same-gender marriages between citizens and spouses from other marriage equality countries. 
Andrew Shuang has been separated from his Japanese partner for more than two years. He told Agence France Press, It's not me who loves the wrong person. It's the government that fails to correct its mistake. Finally, a new Gallup poll released this week reveals a galloping increase in the number of LGBTQ-identified people in the U.S. Some would no doubt say it proves that queerness is contagious, but the figures are more likely due to an outbreak of acceptance giving queer people more confidence than ever to come out. 3.5% of respondents to the 2012 Gallup poll said that they were queer. A decade later, that percentage has more than doubled to 7.1. 86.3% identified as straight or heterosexual, 7.1% as LGBTQ or other than heterosexual, and 6.6% declined to answer the question. More than 12,000 adults participated in the telephone survey last year. The margin of error is plus or minus 1%. The Gen Zers are far outpacing older generations. They were born between 1997 and 2003, and more than one in five of them identify as LGBTQ. The most common specific queerness was bisexuality, accounting for 57% of LGBTQ-identifying respondents, with a margin of error of plus or minus five points. That's some 4% of the entire U.S. population. As Gallup notes, this is occurring as more of Gen Z is reaching adulthood. These young adults are coming of age, including coming to terms with their sexuality or gender identity, at a time when Americans increasingly accept gays, lesbians, and transgender people, and LGBT plus individuals enjoy increasing legal protection against discrimination. With 1 in 10 millennials and 1 in 5 Gen Z members identifying as LGBT, the proportion of LGBT Americans should exceed 10% in the near future. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude, for the week ending February 19th, 2022. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. And you can read the transcript and listen to News Wrap each week by subscribing to our This Way Out radio channel on YouTube. For This Way Out, I'm M.R. Raquel. Stay healthy. And I'm Michael Taylor Gray. Stay safe. Whether you are a rainbow person, Fano, or an ally, collectively, you have moved this country to a place where we as politicians can be here tonight and put this law into place. Later in the program, not just one, but two countries are putting truth over torturous conversion lies. But first, here's one way to spoof mainstream culture. Ho, ho, ho! The Christmas special, coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. One magazine was the first gay publication with a national circulation. Its first issue was published in January 1953. The December 1954 issue cover sported an illustration of Santa Claus wearing high heels, floating in the air surrounded by jingle bells and snowflakes. Inside the magazine, short stories of contest winners were printed with a list of the winners. First place was Jody Shotwell, who wrote The Gateway. She received a $25 cash prize. 
Also in the issue was a special holiday rate for subscriptions to the magazine given as gifts. Two subscriptions for $4 mailed in a plain, unsealed envelope, or two subscriptions for $6 mailed in first class and sealed. Single issues sold for 25 cents. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, Roby Martin. We just started talking about how there's nothing out there for gay sports fans. And we came up with the idea of building an internet presence where people around the world can go to talk about sports. Fans and athletes speak that other universal language with a queer accent in a 20-year marathon run later in the program. Preaching hate in the name of love. Preaching hate. Those who would claim that a person's sexual orientation or gender identity can be changed through counseling and or prayer are being shown the door in Israel and New Zealand, in some cases the door to prison. In Israel, the ban on so-called conversion therapy comes by decree of the health ministry, headed by gay minister Nitzan Horowitz. A circular with the new regulations was issued on February 14th. It warns of the mental health dangers of such practices and threatens medical professionals with sanctions for performing them. Victimized patients can also sue. Some LGBTQ activists fear that the health ministry's directive will not mean much in practice and call for a conversion therapy ban to be codified into law. That's how New Zealand's parliament handled the matter. The legislation passed on February 15th by an impressive 112 to 8. Debate around the third reading of the bill was often emotional, with several members sharing their personal stories. Green MP Dr. Elizabeth Karikare is a rainbow spokesperson for the party. Thank you to all of you, including the minister and those in this house who have got us to this point. Uh, the activists who have focused on this kaupapa and those who have integrated their advocacy into a broader framework of health and well-being. Ngā mihi aroha to those groups and individuals who have supported survivors of conversion practices when the mental health system has failed our communities and usually without recognition or resource, you have been there. I acknowledge people like my mother, Erin Kerekere, and her best friend, my godmother, Susan Thompson, who worked for nearly two decades in PFLAG South within the communities and churches of Dunedin uh, to raise awareness and help make them more inclusive of rainbow people. Staunch Catholics, uh, when their Catholic church was not ready to listen, the Methodists gave them an office, and that's where they worked their magic from. Whether you are a rainbow person, Fano, or an ally, Collectively, you have moved the Overton window. You have moved this country to a place where we as politicians can be here tonight and put this law into place. Our frustrated people watching at home may have some questions in mind. Is this a perfect bill that does everything that we want it to? Of course not, if such a thing even exists. It is the best we can do right now? Absolutely, that is what I believe. Will it still make a difference? It definitely definitely will. And is there any cause for celebration? We should be partying. We should party tonight because each step 
that we take forward is a step that acknowledges everything that has gone before us. And if I didn't think I could answer those questions, I would not put my name to it, and the Greens would not be supporting it here today. Finally, I dedicate this speech to those whose wairua, whose hiningaro, whose modi has suffered because of the harm done to them by conversion practices. The weaponising of religion and spirituality has a particular impact on takatāpui, when our ancestors would have accepted us for who we are. To those countless takatāpui and rainbow whānau we have lost because they could not recover from the harm done to them in their places of worship, in state care and in their own homes, we remember you. Moi mai rā. Moi mai rā moi to those who are experiencing conversion practices right now or not even sure if that is what's happening, reach out for help. Talk to somebody. And if you, that you can't have those conversations in your own home, look for somewhere safe to go to. We've put a stake in the ground. And as we increasingly create safety for all rainbow people, regardless of their gender, their sexuality or their sex characteristics, so the world becomes increasingly unsafe and less tolerant and actually got no room for uh, people who think they continue with this kind of behaviour. And on that note, I commend this bill to the House. Kia ora. Green MP Dr Elizabeth Karikare admitted after the vote to ban conversion therapy in New Zealand that there are still some devilish details to be worked out. Critics point to the definition of serious harm and other barriers to holding practitioners accountable. More work needs to be done before the debunked practice is entirely stamped out. God Hi, this is Greg Leganis, and you're listening to This Way Out. It's time for another This Way Out Rewind. 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 If Team LGBTQ had been representing a country at the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, it would have ranked 12th among the nations, edging out Japan and Italy. We know this thanks to Sid Ziegler of Outsports.com. This Way Out has looked to Sid and his partner Jim Bozinski for queer athletic coverage ever since Sid sat down with correspondent Rita Gonzalez around the time of the 2002 Winter Olympics. Outsports.com we call the home for gay sports fans and athletes. It started... Two years ago when my business partner Jim and I were on Cape Cod on vacation together and wanted to come away with it with a project we could work on together. It was when the internet was just starting to get going and it was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal every day. And he was reading the Wall Street Journal and we just started talking about how there's nothing out there for gay sports fans. And we came up with the idea of building an internet 
presence where people all around the country, around the world can go to talk about sports with other gay men and lesbians. And that's what it is. It's a safe place where gay men and lesbians can read about each other, read about themselves, read about the NFL or the NBA from a gay perspective. What I liked about the site is it was user-friendly. I'm not all that internet savvy. <laughs> you know, I go on something, I want to get to it right away. Well, it's Jim is, has a, an extensive background in newspaper business. He was the only openly gay sports editor for years and years and years with the Long Beach Press-Telegram. And he has really brought the newspaper design to the website. So many websites got into the, let's make it flashy and let's make it exciting and let's make it all these different things. But people just want information. They want easy and accessible and they want it broken into logical divisions and that's what we've done we've just taken it's sort of a newspaper online we have an incredibly active discussion board but it's really interesting to go on there you get a couple things one gay men really know what they're talking about when it comes to sports as do lesbians i mean they know the ins and outs of sports they know who's playing they're more knowledgeable than when I go onto the discussion boards on ESPN. The other thing is that comes across in the discussion board is a definite difference in the way gay men and lesbians watch sports than straight men watch sports. There is a sexual aspect when a gay man watches the NFL or a lesbian watches the WNBA. There'll be a discussion about how good the Indianapolis Colts are, but in, this, in the same discussion there will be talk about how cute Peyton Manning their quarterback is. It's a real distinction that comes out in the discussion board. You have various topics. You have the discussion room. Mm -hmm. You have featured articles on various players. What's the clubhouse? Clubhouse is where somebody can post information about themselves. It's there so you can find other people in your community to throw a football or to invite over to watch a basketball game or just to talk online, to really build the community. And that's the biggest part to me and to Jim about sports. We find it hard to define the gay community, not only growing, but it is incredibly strong. When I went to the Gay Softball World Series in San Francisco, it was amazing to see gay men and lesbians having fun together, and they all knew each other. They, there's a history that's built through these local gay sports events where you go from Los Angeles, but you meet people from Minneapolis and Fort Lauderdale and Boston, and you see them again and again and again, and you stay in touch with them over email and, and hopefully, you know, discussion boards like the one we have at OutSports. And so there's a real community that's built around sports, and that's the way sports have always been. We have daily updates. We do a, a, um, a daily tops and bottoms, which is who, who did well and who didn't do so well in sports that day. And then we have current updates on, on all of the major sports leagues. But you don't just do national sports. You do local sports, too. Right. Yeah, that's something that we're really trying to build out. We list 300 gay and lesbian sports teams around the world on our website. We know there are many, many more. There are gay men and lesbians playing every one of these sports, from martial arts to ping pong to badminton, at every level, from the local level to the professional level to the Olympic level. Naga, the North American Gay Amateur Athletic Association, they sponsor a national softball league. And they have tens of thousands of members playing in hundreds of cities and hundreds of teams. And it's, it's really expansive. So we're really getting more into that with, you know, there are local gay sports tournaments every weekend of the year. There are people playing it all over the country. Yeah, so we're really trying to cover that more and more. It's a little difficult with no money and only two of us running it. I was going to ask you that. No, <laughs> it's just the two of you? There are two of us running it. We have some writers across the country 
who do write occasionally for us. We have a guy who do, does our men's and women's tennis. We have somebody who writes a baseball column every couple of weeks. So we do have people out there who just want to write, but the majority of it is the two of us. Like when we wanted to cover the Gay Softball World Series, I went up to San Francisco in August for three days and covered it myself. I'm sure you're looking for help out there then. Yeah, well, we're definitely always looking for writers who want to come on and write. We are particularly looking for women right now because we do want to reach out more to women. We have one columnist right now, Mindy Tanner, who writes maybe once a month. But yeah, we're really looking for women to help us cover women's sports, both local and national. Now, how do people reach you? There's an email address, mail at outsports.com, or my email address is sid, C-Y-D, at outsports.com. And we get, you know, a lot of mail. People writing in anywhere from the, the hate mail, you know, you're all going to hell, how can you be gay, to somebody in Buffalo, New York, or somebody in St. Louis, Missouri, or anywhere around the world saying, oh my God, I can't believe there are other gay men that enjoy sports. And it, we're building a really active community out of it. Part of so many people we encounter don't want to get into sports because they never played it or they're not good or kids tease them when they were in school. Who cares? The more important thing about sports is to have fun, not to be the best or to win or lose. And yeah, that's part of it. It's just about having fun and building community. There are entry points on our website that if you're not into sports, you just might find yourself tuning into Monday Night Football after you take a look. And so many gay men that we encounter are so afraid of taking late-in-life interest in sports because of that, because they're afraid if they play basketball, they're going to miss a shot, or they're, if they play football, they're going to drop a pass, or if they watch baseball, someone will refer to a double play and they won't know what it means. But who cares? Sports are there to have fun. And there aren't a lot of people, especially in the gay world, who are going to judge you for a lack of understanding in sports. Take it up. Turn on the baseball game or go out there and throw a football around and see what happens. You just might like it. And you can see the website. It's outsports.com, which is very easy to remember. <laughs> very easy. This way, that's Rita Gonzalez interviewed Sid Ziegler in February of 2002. This year, there's even more great LGBTQ Olympic news to report. Outsports counted 36 queer athletes at the Beijing Winter Games, participating on the teams of 14 countries. Almost 40% of them are taking medals home. Gold medalists include skier Sandra Naislin of Sweden, ice dancer Guillaume Césaron of France, and the Canadian women's ice hockey team, the queerest Winter Olympic team of all time. The Netherlands gold medal speed skater Irene Wurst picked up another gold and a bronze to become the most awarded LGBTQ Olympian in history. Bruce Mowat won a silver medal with Great Britain's curling team. Alex Carpenter scored two crucial goals with the silver-winning U.S. women's ice hockey team, and Finland's Rona Savalenin starred in her team's bronze medal victory in that sport. Brittany Bow was the USA's flag bearer at the Parade of Nations, the only out flag bearer at the Beijing Olympics. She went on to win her first medal in speed skating, bronze in the women's 1,000 meter. The 2026 Winter Olympics will be held in Italy, hosted by two cities for the first time, Milan and Cortina d'Ampezzo. 
Thanks for finding This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Michael Taylor Gray and M.R. Raquel, produced by Brian DeShazer, from Roby Martin, produced by Jed Proctor and Brian Burns, and from Rita Gonzalez. Nick Afoa, Sam Cook, and Gary Entropy performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This We Out thanks the Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation, a bequest from Christopher David Trentum, and donors James Kennedy and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Thank you. Look for This We Out Radio on social media, email info at thisweout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon and the entire This Way Out crew, I'm Lucia Chappelle. Thanks for listening online at thisweout.org and on KPNW Bellingham, Washington, HCCC, Alice Springs Northern Territory, CHSR Fredericton, New Brunswick, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.